Sean and Tim are passing out the, the sermon handout, I uh, was back there just yap, 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 and, and did not hand these out. So I apologize. It won't take them long, though. Uh, while they're handing those out, I'll greet you and say hello. <laughs> and um, uh, we are a, a lower tonight in number. It is fall break. Uh, we have a lot of people out for fall break. A lot of people left this afternoon. A lot of people left Friday uh, for their activities for fall break. We are praying for them and hope they are back with us soon and they're safe. Um, also, there's a gospel meeting that's going on. And a lot of you attended that this morning. And I got some good reports over at Corinth about how good the gospel meeting was. And the man was talking about uh, Tim, he's elders and deacons, and and uh, is that kind of where he's going this whole week? Is is leadership? Yeah, this morning I mean, that's what we had class on. Okay, okay. So you can probably think of more of the same if you're going over to Corinth. So I I, I hope that maybe you'll take a, the opportunity to go over at seven o'clock tonight is when that starts. Uh, but what you've just been handing out is the sermon uh, scriptures that I'm using. For tonight, and I hope you'll take advantage of those as we look at this topic. Uh, it, it's, it's a topic from from one of you. I, I usually don't name the the person who who gives me the topic every year uh, in November. I ask. It's coming up here, coming up soon uh, in November. I ask, what do you want to hear? What are the topics that you want to hear? And I always get some really really good ones. And Timothy, I still have not. Preached your sermon on gluttony. I named you out. I'm sorry, but I've already named you before. But um, called you out right there. But I'm working on it, okay? I'm working on it, all right? I was hoping that I would have my surgery before I had to preach on gluttony. But um, I don't think that's going to happen, Timothy. I think I'm going to have to stand up here and, and tough it out. But um, uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the things that one of you wanted to talk about, you, you told me this about, a, about uh, two weeks ago. And so this is what we're talking about tonight. I, I, want to tell, I want to say at first, we're so blessed to live in the country that we live in. I mean, we are a blessed people. We're privileged patriots living in a divine democracy. Privileged patriots living in a divine democracy. And I, and I, want, to, I want to explain that statement as we... Uh, go through the sermon as we go through this go through this lesson using the scriptures. I want to show God's purpose for government in our lives and what our role should be. What do we owe our government as Christians? The first thing we must remember is that as Americans, as citizens of the United States, our first allegiance, our first allegiance. Is to our citizenship in heaven. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, read with me. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, verse 13, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. That's the kingdom. We have this dual citizenship almost, but, but really I don't, I don't like to say it's dual citizenship because 
our, our, our allegiance to our God, our allegiance to the kingdom of God, our allegiance to the church, our allegiance to, to our citizenship in Jesus Christ is much more important than our citizenship in the United States of America. But here on earth, we have a government. So why do we have a government? And what do we owe our earthly government? You see, there's a problem. And that was part of the, part of the question that was posed to me. There's a problem. Governments are, are run by, by fallible people. Most of whom are, many of whom are probably not Christians. Okay? Uh, you know, from the 2014 VA scandal to the to the, the whole of the government having to watch the IRS right now. Uh, many have lost their faith in our government's ability to manage money. Congressman Rivera was indicted this year in an $81,000 campaign finance scheme. Congressman Renzi was convicted on 17 counts of fraud in 2013. Jesse Jackson Jr., Congressman Jesse Jackson Jr., he pled guilty this year to $750,000 fraud scheme. And Congresswoman Laura Richardson was found guilty of destroying evidence and tampering with witness testimony. Those are our leaders. Those are our leaders. Federal Judge Sam Kent out of Texas Galveston, Texas, was sentenced not long ago to 33 months in jail for sexual harassment. Fraud is, is countrywide in places that we, that we thought we could trust, like the ALS ice bucket challenge. Here's an extreme version of one of those. Somebody's really getting, getting doused there, aren't they? Uh, the, the ALS, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, ice challenges, it's raised in the hundreds of millions of dollars in just the last couple of years. But if you look at the graph, only 27% of the money that's raised by the ALS Association goes to actually fighting the disease. Everything else goes to fundraising and uh, administration and, and public relations. That's kind of sad. If you read Brad Horeb's latest paper, Morally Repugnant, Dr. Brad Horeb, he writes of morally repugnant legislation that's quietly getting shoved down our throats. Well, it's been shoved down our children's throats. Dr. Harb writes this, Literally all across the country there is a push to expose children to sexual images, sexual content, and homosexual tolerance starting at a very young age. In 2013, children in Chicago joined this illustrious club. He writes, One news report noted, Kindergartners in Chicago, kindergartners in Chicago, let me repeat that, in Chicago public schools will soon be given sex education. Kindergartners. The Chicago Board of Education approved the program, which includes discussions on sexual orientation and gender identity. That's your tax dollars at work. 
Here's another what, what he brings up. Uh, this follows a 2010 report from Montana, Montana, Montana of all places, where they proposed teaching fifth graders the different ways people have intercourse. I'm going to tell fifth graders how, how people, different people have intercourse. And first graders, they're going to teach them about gay love. Gay love in the first grade. There's a problem, isn't there? We live in a country where gay marriage laws, that's what the, the map is, is talking about. Gay marriage laws, legalization of marijuana, they're, they're on the forefront of our nation's mind. They're the hot topics. We live in a country where if you support yes on one, and everyone, you know what this is. You've seen these signs all around, haven't you? Yes on one. Uh, it, it, what it is this November the 4th, if you vote uh, for, for yes on one, you're voting that women should have a 24-hour waiting period uh, for an abortion, which they don't have right now in Tennessee. They should, that all the facilities... Uh, abortion facilities should be licensed and inspected. That's what you're voting for if you vote yes on one. And you're voting that uh, taxpayers should be protected from funding and abortions. You know, hey, if you want to pay for an abortion and it's legal in this country, that's up to you. But I don't want to pay for it with my taxes. I don't want to pay for it. So most certainly I'm going to vote yes on one. If you support this, or, or if you support this, how many of you saw that on the news not long ago? The billboard that's here in town. How many know uh, or know someone who vilified this billboard because of what it stands for and because people are actually standing up and, and being heard on, on, such a, on such a topic as this? We live in a country where if you support yes on one or God's word, you're vilified. We live in a mad, 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 bad world, don't we? We feel like giving up. That's what you want to do sometimes. Just give up. Why should we care? Why should we care about all this? Just let it go. They're going to do what they want to anyway. Right? Let's see what the Bible says, okay? Let's see what the Bible says. Uh, if you turn in your Bibles, or if you have your hand out, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Uh, Thomas Paine said that government, he's one of our founding fathers, Thomas Paine said that government is a necessary evil, but I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that, and the Bible doesn't agree with that. Here's why. Romans chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only for because of wrath, but for conscience sake. 
Our government was given to us by God. That's why I call it a divine democracy. That's what we live in. Other people live in other things. But we, in this room, are blessed people. Blessed people. We live in a divine democracy. We're to obey our government because it was given the responsibility over us by God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13, you can look in your handout. Therefore, therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Why? For the Lord's sake. Not for my benefit, so God is glorified. 1 Peter 2, verse 15, For this is the will of God. This is God's will that we do this. Looking at 1 Timothy 2, verse 3, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Now back to Romans. Our government was appointed. Appointed in Greek is the word tasso. T-A-S-S-O. Tasso. Our government was appointed, and we are subject, and that's hypotasso. Hypotasso, which means we are under our government. We, we are subject to our government. So our government is tasso, and we're hypotasso. Got it? We're to submit to their authority. Verse 2, if we resist, and that word is anti-tasso. So you got tasso, hypotasso, and anti-tasso. If we resist, if we anti-tasso, we oppose ourselves and bring judgment and fear upon ourselves. We bring it in the courts here today, and we bring it on the day, the day that Jesus Christ comes back. One of the great exceptions, and there are wonderful exceptions in the Bible. One of these days I'm going to do a sermon on the great exceptions of the Bible. One of the great exceptions of the Bible is found in Acts chapter 4, verse 18. Exception to this is found where if a man legislates something that directly opposes God, such as never speaking the name of Christ again, we must obey God rather than men. When the apostles were told, don't speak in the name of Jesus Christ anymore, and they were caught, look what happens in Acts chapter 5, verse 27. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, did we not strictly command you not to teach in his name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Amen that. That's awesome, isn't it? That's awesome. That's, that's our marching orders as Christians. Back to Romans. Romans chapter 13, verse 4. Our government is God's minister. Same word that we use for deacon. Our word is God's diakonos. Our word is God's servant. I mean, our government is God's servant. Our government is God's minister. And our government bears the sword, 1 Peter 2.14, for the punishment of evildoers. That's the reason the government has the sword, for the punishment of evildoers. God's purpose for government is for our good. But there was another question posed to me. What if our government's not good? What if they're an evil, tyrannical, Nazi, fascist, 
people killing, gassing, uh, electrocuting, hanging everybody, cutting heads off and eating people's body parts kind of government. That's the world we live in. Have you seen, have you seen the, the people that we're trying to give arms to? How, did you see him? He, he cut that, he cut that ISIS soldier up. Now, I don't like ISIS, but he cut him and ate his heart. That's the kind of people we're dealing with. That's the kind of people that are out in the world. That's where, in Syria, that's their government. How do you follow somebody like that? How do you follow someone when they're promoting gay rights? How do you follow someone when they're promoting abortion? How do you follow someone when they're trying to legalize marijuana? How do you support that? How do you write your check every year to the IRS? God's purpose for government is for our good. But what if our government is not good? Well, then it's up to us to protest. It's up to us to protest. And my protest tonight is not with the government, but with the children of God. Sammy, your prayer this morning was spot on. Sammy prayed this morning that every one of us would be more diligent to be involved with our government. Didn't you, didn't you, Sammy? We have got to do that, Christian brothers and sisters. We have got to. We are privileged patriots. Let me explain what I mean by that. We live in the best country in the world. Yes, we act like unloved children at times. But we live in the best country in the world. And Abraham Lincoln said in his Gettysburg Address that we're a nation of the people, by the people, and for the people. This is our country. The preamble of the Constitution says we, the people, we are our government. We are to obey our government. And guess what? We are the government. We're the government. (laughs) Isn't that great? Aren't you blessed? You are a privileged Patriot, not very many people in the world have that privilege. Not very many people have have that privilege in the world. And we need to accept that. We need to grasp that. Tennessee voter registration, the deadline is tomorrow. Every Christian should be registered to vote, and every Christian should. Why? I'm telling you now, Romans chapter 13 says we're to obey our government. We're supposed to submit to our government. We're supposed to be involved in our government. To him that knows to do good and does not do it, what is it? James says it's a sin. We must vote and we must vote our conscience. From yes on one to who the best man and woman are for the job. We do this, 1 Peter 2.15, For this is the will of God that by doing good you may put to silence the foolishness, the silence of, of ignorant foolish men. We've been studying Judges. John, we've been studying, we've gone through the whole Old Testament all the way up to Judges now. And Doug on Wednesday nights is going through uh, the kings. And what he's trying to get to is the, pro- the prophets and how they fit in with all the kings. Okay? And we've been studying Judges. And we've seen how the cycle goes, right? We've seen the children of Israel, how... how Awful they get, and they start worshiping other things, and God gives them over to another government, and they get oppressed, and then they start 
crying about it. So they cry about it and they repent and God gives them a judge and the judge helps them out and they start doing good again. When the judge dies, they go back to their own sinning again. Their old sinning again. Well, that happened a lot. It happened, happens all the way through the rest of Judges. It happens in, in 1 Kings. It happens in 2 Kings. By the time you get to 2 Kings, you have the prophet Amos. And if you would turn your Bibles there, you could mark this. I have it in your handout too, though. Amos is a farmer prophet. He's from the southern, southern kingdom. And he's prophesying to the northern kingdom after the split. He's prophesying to those people. And he tells them, he tells them for God in Amos chapter 5, verse 7. Here's, here's a map. You can see uh, how, uh, where Judah is and where Israel is. In Amos, he's going from the south to the north. All right? He tells them for God. Amos chapter 5, verse 7. He, he's getting on to him. He says, and what this is, basically, it's, it's a funeral dirge. He's singing a funeral song for the, for the Israel, for the northern kingdom of Israel. A funeral dirge. In other words, they're already dead. They've already been judged. Alright? And here's the, their funeral song. Alright? You who turn justice to wormwood and lay righteousness to rest in the earth. The children of Israel had finally made justice worthless. They had made justice worthless and they had killed righteousness in society. Do you remember way back? Do you remember way back? I can remember this. I can remember this. Being a little boy and staying out all night long just about on my bicycle with my neighborhood friends. And finally, I'd just have to go home. I'd hear a voice. You know, my Mimi, when I was staying with her in, uh, in Hornwall, uh, she had this big land and then there was a ballpark on the other side of it. I would go over there and play ball all day long. But I could always hear her go, Chadwick. I could hear it echoing, you know. And I'd come home and it was just awesome. Do you remember those days? You remember how great it was? You know, you could leave your bicycle out. You could leave your car unlocked. You could leave your home unlocked. We lived in a society like that at one time, young people. I couldn't let my little girls go out in our neighborhood anymore. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I live in a great neighborhood. I don't know who's out there. I've gotten scared. Maybe it's me that's gotten scared. I don't think it is. I don't know of many parents who, who will let their children just roam like I used to roam. Why? Our country over time has lost a sense of justice. And we've lost a sense of righteousness. And it's exactly what the children of Israel are going through all this time over and over and over again till finally they've been condemned. And, and Amos says something else. Amos says something else. He lays down a principle in Amos chapter 8. He lays down a principle for all nations. 
These are, this goes for every nation. Look at Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Now, this is to the children of Israel, but this is, this is spot on for the United States of America today. I tell you what. Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of the hearing of the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, and from north to, north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. That's, that's a promise. And you know what I believe is the only thing holding that back from the United States today, from that happening to the United States today, is Christians praying hard. Christians praying that God will please bless our nation. We need more prayer, don't we? We need a lot more prayer. I'd love to get back to where we had justice and righteousness in our society, but I believe that we have killed justice. We've made it worthless. And we've killed righteousness. We've made it worthless in our society. I do not think it's too late. But we must recognize that there's a cliff, and we must stop before we get to the cliff or turn away. Romans chapter 13, verse 5. Therefore, you must be subject, not only for wrath, not only because if you're not subject to the government, the government's going to punish you, but for your conscience' sake. The conscience of a Christian must be clear. Now, I've left a lot out. I'm not done yet, but I have left a lot out uh, to the one who's here that was, this was their topic. There's no way that I could get through all of this. Uh, there's just too much information. If you want to know more, you could go to Dr. Dave Miller. He, he's written a great book. I've read this one called The Silencing of God. And then there's a sequel called America's Most Pressing Concern. Or we could have a class. I mean, really, this could be a whole Wednesday night or Sunday class. Uh, Aubrey Johnson uh Matt and I, we got to meet him when we were down at the Better Conference in Alabama. Nice guy, isn't he? Real nice guy. And he's wrote a, a book called Spiritual Patriots. It's been out for a while as well. I mean, we could, we could go through things like that and get really deep in this, but I can't go as deep as, as I'd like to go with the time that I have. But I want to go back to Romans 13. I'm not through. There's a lot of meat still left on this bone. Romans 13, there, there's more that we owe our government. Look at verse 6. Romans chapter 13, verse 6, For because of this you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. I have never written my senators before. I've never written my senators or my congressmen before. Never written them a letter. Last year, I wrote my first letter to my senators, to our senators in Tennessee. I wrote them to please, please get rid of the IRS. I did. I sure did. I wrote them to please get shut of it. We are, I'm done with it. All the shenanigans that they've done. But guess what? This past April and come this other next April, I'm going to pay my taxes. I'm going to pay them. Why? Because I must. It's a must. I may not like the IRS, but I've got to pay my taxes. 
God wants me to do that. I'm a Christian. That's the way Christians act. That's what Christians do. Why do we pay our taxes? Well, back at verse 5, for our conscience sake, for protection. Verse 3, for peace. Verse 3, because it's a must. You know, that word render is an imperative. It's a command. It's, a, it's, an, it's an order. It's a must. It means deliver, give away, pay it off. We have got to do that as, Christ, as Christians. As Christian citizens of this United States, we must pay our taxes. Do I like how my tax money's being handled? Nope. But I elected them. It's up to me to do better. It's up to me to do better. I wrote, like I said, both of my sinners to get rid of the IRS this past year, but that does not mean I stop paying taxes. Not only do we owe our country, uh, our money to our country, but as citizens of the United States, notice verse 7, render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. You know, I've heard Christians over the year, over the years, I see, when I was born, Lyndon Johnson was the president. So I've lived through that many presidents. And I've heard Christians over the years badmouth every one of these men. They badmouth every one of them. I heard a politician say the other day, and I agreed with him. And I hope he runs for president. I'm not going to tell you who he is. But I love what he said. He said, there's no left or right. There's no left or right. There's just up and down. It's just up and down. I mean, there's, I mean there's, there's a right way to do things and there's a wrong way to do things. They may not be just. They may not be right. They may not be moral. But we are Christians and we are to first Peter chapter 2, verse 17, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. We are to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I'm sad when I see Christians, and I'm I'm talking to myself too, because I've done it over the years, But I'm sad when I see Christians bash anyone or anything. We are privileged and have the right under the First Amendment to bash anything we want to. But bashing our elected officials is of the world. And I can't stand seeing it on Facebook when, when we rant about them. That's not how Christians act. What's the best thing we can do? What's the best thing we can do? Well, First Timothy chapter 2. Verses 1 and 2 tell us the best thing that we can do for our government. As citizens of our government, here's the best thing that we can do. 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Verse 1, this, this is a must. 
I want you to understand that. This, this is a command verse here for us as Christians. This is a must. It's a command. Verse 2, why? Why do we do this? So that, why do we pray for these people so that we can live in peace? We can live in, in quiet. This should be our aspiration, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11, to live in peace. We should aspire to living in peace. Why? Well, verse 3, it makes God happy. Living in peace makes God happy. Why? Verse 4, because God wants everyone to be saved, and there's a better chance for everyone to be saved in peace. When I have the ability to go around and, and talk to folks without fear, what a blessing I have. What a privilege I have. We should see it like that. Because not every country has that blessing and not every country has that privilege. In the book of Judges, the children of Israel, they disobeyed God and God would send the pressures. And when the children of Israel had enough, they would pray to God and He would send a way out. And they prayed and God heard. Do we doubt that God will not hear our prayer for our country? I promise you, I believe the reason why we haven't fallen any further than we have fallen is because of the prayers of the saints. They prayed, God heard. We pray, God hears. God hears us. We can't doubt God when, when we pray for our country today. We need, even, we need even more peace. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 through 14, Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be discolate, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. I, I look at this, I love that, that verse 12 right there, because I can see somebody that's defeated. They're just... You know how your shoulders, you see something on the news, you go, oh, that's awful. How can that, oh, how can that be? But what's he say right here? He says, strengthen the hands that hang down. Strengthen them. Those feeble knees, strengthen them. It's going to be okay. Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be discolated, but rather be healed Pursue peace with all people in holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. We've got to be a peaceful people. You know, we get so tired, and it feels like we're hitting a brick wall inside and outside the church. And it may, it's very tiring. We need peace with each other, don't we? 1 Corinthians 7, verse 15, God has called us to peace. And we must have peace with God. Colossians 1, verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in Him, that's in Jesus Christ, all the fullness should dwell. And by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked words, yet now He has reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, 
and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. Do you, do you understand what Paul is saying right here? Do you understand? You who once were alienated, you were enemies of the most powerful being in the universe. You have been, through the death of Jesus, you've been presented holy and, and blameless and above reproach because you're in Jesus Christ. If, there's that little condition word, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Remember where we started. We started, we were, we were, we are first citizens, not of the United States, but we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven, Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. Which means, as we've read, God wants us to be good citizens here. Remember, if God is for us, God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? If we're on God's side, whatever government we live under, we'll be right if we're on God's side. There may be some here who are not a part of God's kingdom, but you've heard the gospel. And you know it provides hope, and you want to obey the gospel. I hope that you'll do that. I hope that you'll do that tonight. I hope also it was one of the purposes of this sermon is to to build a fire under each and every one of us. As Christian citizens of the United States of America, to do what God says. And obey. I hope you walk out with that attitude tonight. If any of you need anything, if you need prayers, uh, that sermon hasn't been geared toward you per se. I, you know, I know there may be some here who are hurting and you need prayers. There may be some here who, who need to obey the gospel. Jesus Christ hasn't come back yet, but you know that He could come back at any moment. And you know that you need to get your life right. So I hope that you'll do that. Uh, as we sing the invitation song, and I, and I hope that you continue to pray for not only uh, our government, our, our national government, but our state government, our, our uh, local government, but also the government in this congregation. Uh, our elders and our deacons, they have, they have a tough job. They have a tough job. And, and I, I know uh, the good brothers, he was spoke from the Bible this morning, and he told you all about how how our elders, uh, they, they, we're supposed to lift them up. We're supposed to lift them up. So let's make sure we do that to God in prayer as well. I've been talking a lot about our country's government, but we have our government inside the church itself where Jesus is the head. And we need to make sure that we honor all of our leaders. If anyone is subject to the invitation, come right now. As together we stand and sing.